0: What is up, my sinners? Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, and I am sober for a change, which is nice. In Paris, France, we just played. And of course, as always, having an awesome time in Europe on the Rise Up Tour. We're about to hit the UK, actually. It's with Memphis May Fire, The Devilers Prada, Silverstein, and Lake to Flames. If you are listening to this from the UK, there are tickets available, so check it out. We're playing like 10 shows in the UK, which is a lot. Like Silverstein, we never really go to the UK for some reason. Uh, so yeah, come, come hang, come hang. would love to see you all there. Today we have an awesome episode. I am so excited. A few weeks ago, we had Fat Mike from No Effects on the show, who is my absolute number one all-time favorite musician since I was a kid. He's my favorite. So that was really cool for me. But Frank Turner is probably my favorite musician kind of of adulthood. And I talk a little bit about this in the show. When I heard his record, Love Iron Song, it spoke to me in a way a record hadn't in a long time. And I actually got in touch with him and we've been friends ever since. So it was really, really awesome. I went down to his hotel in downtown Toronto and we had an awesome, awesome chat. Cannot wait for you guys to hear it. But before we jump in, some important stuff. Today is Cyber Monday, which wasn't a thing a few years ago, but it's a thing now. So basically, there's all this online shopping stuff going on. And one place that people like to shop online, so I've been told, well, actually, I do a little shopping myself there, is Amazon. Now, we have this thing set up with Amazon. It's called an Amazon affiliate link. Basically, anything you buy on Amazon, we get 4 to 6%, and it costs you absolutely nothing. So it's a really, really great way if you want to support the show, if you like what we're doing here on Lead Singer Syndrome, Please, it's really, really, really easy. Here's what you do: go to LeadSingersyndrome.com/slash Amazon. That will take you right to the Amazon homepage. Login is normal. You won't even know anything happened. But again, whatever you buy, we get four to six percent. And I know a lot of you guys are going to be doing shopping today. Christmas is coming up. Today is the day you get all the deals. So Please don't forget to use that affiliate link. I'm going to give it to you one more time. Leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. And if you want to get in touch, of course, email me, syndrome at gmail.com. I'm on Snapchat, which is real Shane told. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter and we're on Facebook, which I'm starting to do a little bit more with. So search for Leadsinger Syndrome on Facebook and you will find me. And last week, I talked about the All Access Club, which is coming really soon, which for a low monthly fee, you can get all kinds of goodies. We're going to have merch. We're going to be doing this all up, still working out the kinks, but I'm hoping next week we can make the announcement and launch the thing. So I'm super excited about the All Access Club. It's going to be a really, really awesome way to get even more content and a bunch of cool stuff as well. Another thing going on with me is my side project, solo side project, River Oaks, which is going on tour in America, just five shows, New York, Philly, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Detroit. If you live in any one of those cities, please, please, please come hang out with me. I'm going to be playing a bunch of River Oaks songs. I'm going to be playing a shitload of Silverstein songs, acoustic. I'm going to be doing some covers. And really, it's just going to be a fun night. Tickets are cheap, like 12 or 13 bucks. Uh, so please check that out. There's VIP stuff if you're into that as well. But go to riveroaksmusic.com And that's where you can find all the ticket links And it's going to be a good time So please don't miss it if you live in one of those five cities Or if you live in Toronto River Oaks and Silverstein Are both playing the Stay Warm Festival With such bands as American Nightmare Citizen, Protest the Hero The Flatliners A Wilhelm Scream It's so many great bands Over two days December 17th and 18th So check that out as well. All right, well, let's jump in. Here's my conversation to the always honest, the always candid, Mr. Frank Turner.
1: And suddenly, it was two a.m. That happens a lot, doesn't it? It does, and it just like we were in uh, the Imperial. Do you know that place? It's a pub that's down around the corner from here. No, no, I don't know. Just this, this like area is this is the like the popular area of Toronto,
0: right? Like where the tourists hang out, but people right. that live here right. don't really hang out here. Fair enough,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we did. So JC, um, you know, uh, put together a, um, a sort of after-party thing, and I, I went for one. And then, and then ended wow. up getting thrown out kind of thing at closing time. So, um, yes, yeah, So my, I'm a little croaky and a little sort of slow, rough around the edges today.
0: That's okay. I feel like that's a thing you've been doing for a while, Frank. Like, well, <laughs> uh, there's been a couple times I've seen you. Maybe it's a Toronto thing. You have a good you time know, in Toronto. But a couple times I've
1: seen you and hung out with you here, you've been like, dude, last night. You know, I think I have to say, I think, first of all, I think it is a Toronto thing. Um, uh, but also, I mean, it's, it's worth saying that uh, as I'm sure, you know, as well, like as you're sort of like, um, your disaster scale for these things gets kind of narrow as you get older. Do you know what I mean? It's like the night I had last night, if I'd had that night when I was 23, I would be whistling Dixie this morning. Right. Um, whereas now at 34, I was, it's like, Oh my God, I went to bed
0: at 2am. Well, yeah, we're the same age. I think you're an 81. I'm an 81 too. And I started getting this thing that, which I call the two-day hangover. Yeah, which basically you get fucked up. The next day's awful. During the rest of the night, you start feeling a little bit better, and then you don't drink that day. And but then the next day you wake up, you feel like you did the day before. Yeah, in the yeah, morning. totally.
1: Yeah, it's it's what is that? Well, it's, it's, it's us getting old and shit, <laughs> um, and and there's no escaping it for any of us. And like just. Uh, again, I'm sure you have this too, like, tour injuries start adding up. And, like, I've just got, like, my knee goes a bit weird some days. Mm. I have to stretch my back for an hour before we play, which is... An hour? Yeah, it's just the most boring thing in the world. It really, It's just, it annoys me how boring it is. But, uh, oh, but feels. I mean, and it's like, it's not like if I didn't do it, then I wouldn't be able to do the show. But it's just in terms of being able to do this in the long term and not damaging myself further. That's the routine that I have. And it it's just utterly tedious. <laughs> You're a tall dude too. So that's, Yeah and they say that's a thing and Yeah, I've got a You sort of crappy little back.
0: You play do you play acoustic on stage hundred mm-hmm. percent of the time, or do you play electric on No, I started playing too?
1: electric on this last album actually, um, which is a, a new thing for me. And I'm it's funny like I always do this. I come to shit late, and that everybody else knew. I like I've started playing, uh, like uh, I've got a, a Les Paul and the Tally that I've been playing, and I'm like, man, playing electric guitar is fucking rad. Yeah, and did. everyone else is like, we know that's that's <laughs> rock music, kind of summed up. And I'm like, I never thought about this before so now every day in soundcheck, i sort of take five minutes to just kind of noodle to myself which annoys the crap out of my sound guy and all sure. the rest of it. but yeah. it's just it's, playing electric guitar is fucking great it's
0: the best just standing there and just like this feeling behind you just the air pushing you yeah know, yeah and then just unreal it,
1: but it's it's a very different thing from playing acoustic guitar as well mm-hmm. you know just the, the feeling your fingers and and the kind of noise you can make and i just like I say i have it seemed to do this all the time I mean, I sort of essentially, in a way, the history of my my individual music career is that I was, got immersed in punk and hardcore and metal, and then one day went, holy shit, has anyone actually heard Bob Dylan? And everyone else went, yes. We've heard Bob <laughs> we, Dylan. Yes, we have. <laughs> quite a long time ago. And I was like, I've never, I'd never listened to Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen or any Young or any of that yeah. shit until I was in my early 20s, you know? And, uh, and, and yet, I could have told you absolutely fucking everything that Propaganda ever did or... There like, you go, I know. Do you, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, there's a part of me that sort of thinks that maybe... Maybe that's dumb.
0: Well, I went through the same thing. You know, it's funny. We retire, as you mentioned, we're the same age, but <clears> there was a period of my life where all I would, all I wanted to listen to was double time punk rock. If it, did, if it wasn't double time, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it didn't have TV, that, yeah. nope, not for me. Like yeah, even yeah, if yeah. it was like, too yeah, yeah. So, yeah. slow. <laughs> so I was faster, like really faster, faster. against anything on the radio and especially like that shit Like the first Actually the first show I ever went to Was Bruce Springsteen Huh At okay, the Skydome cool. Which we maybe can see from here That's um, pretty cool My parents took me I was In the fifth grade How old and, is that? I don't know what grades means Oh ah fuck I don't know I was like ten Okay I hadn't I hadn't heard of Metallica And started playing guitar yet You know what I mean? Right I Yeah yeah, a, yeah sure And I was just like this guy, this guy like He just went on and on And he just <laughs> like the, the show never ended yeah, yeah, And yeah, I yeah. fell asleep You know so but 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 taking that forward to me it's like That's the last thing I wanted to like like when I was into punk rock. Yeah, sure. But then you get older and the same
1: thing happened to me. Well, you broaden out. I was going to say, by the way, this is a a point of contention for me. I I find it really interesting about Springsteen that I feel very strongly that you can tell that he predates punk rock as an idea. Because, of course, he's not related to punk rock really in any way. But I feel that one of the things that punk rock brought into the world of popular song was a reminder that brevity is often the soul of wit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There There is no one. I want to see play for 4 hours. No one any ba- there is no there's never been any band ever who I want to see play for 4 fucking hours. Do you know what I mean? Like piss off. I've got shit to do. You know what I mean? Like and it's just not least I mean I've seen, I still go and see him because I'm a gigantic fan, but like the and the last time I saw him in Paris it was better because he actually just played more songs. The first time I saw him do a 4 hour set, he played like 20 songs. But he just jammed every single one yes. of them out for like eight minutes. The second song in the set was Atlantic City and he turned it into an eight minute long jam and the song's two minutes on the record. Yeah, it's just I like, mean, dude, this is, what, what the fuck,
0: man? Some of those guys, like Neil Young is another one. Oh, yeah. He'll go on and on. And it's just like, they do these big, like, you know, we, we mm. talk about in, in the band world. Well, I don't know if you do it too, like, we're going to have a big ending on this one, which is just yeah. like, you kind of fuck around, you let it ring, the drummer does a fill. <laughs> you know <laughs> what <laughs> I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then how yeah. many times you do, you know. Yeah. And it was like, okay, man.
1: After the 18th song, where you've done that, yeah, I'm a little over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, the thing is, I because I, I've, again, I've seen Neil Young plenty of times, and I've seen him be transcendently brilliant, and I've seen him be not. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I sort of, I feel like I can handle one five minute long one note guitar solo per show. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> because he is an incredible guitarist, you know, and, and there is something really interesting that he does when he does that. Just kind of hanging on one note for ages. Um, I mean, almost my favorite guitar solo of all time is the is the guitar solo on "Words Between the Lines of Age," when he just sort of climbs up the one string, and it's just aching and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But um, but yeah, I've seen it one time, and he just did that in every song for like yeah. three hours, and it was like, dude, sh- shut up! <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you can't say shut up, Neil Young, but like, fuck. That, but so that's, that's what I mean. I sort of feel like even people who weren't in punk bands and didn't really have any. Calls a link to punk. I think that punk sort of in the late seventies kind of reminded people that sometimes less is more. You know what I mean? I,
0: I totally agree with that. But back to the hangover. Um, so that, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're supporting, so that's yes. nice. Which you don't nice. have to play, a, uh, you know, a, a Bruce Springsteen. No, 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 we set. don't. Yeah, we're not doing. Not that you do tonight. that anyways. But um, yeah, you're, you're opening for the Arkells, yes. which I think a lot of our listeners, because my. My podcast is like seventy five percent Americans so listen to right. it. Uh, I got the stats and everything, and they probably don't know the Arkells, but in Toronto, <clears throat> yeah, in Canada, they are kind of a massive deal. How did you get hooked well, up with them?
1: So um, uh, the whole thing, I, I didn't, I wasn't really particularly familiar with them either, and uh, it was this was a, a, one of the more sort of industry esque hookups in my life. Basically, their agent and my agent had a conversation about doing a tour swap between the states and yeah. Canada because they're insanely vastly huge over here mm-hmm. uh, on the north of the border and in and, and in the US they're not um as yet. Yes. Um and so but my my agent who I'm very close with and who I respect enormously sort of sent me this idea and said I think this is a good idea. So I listened to a couple of songs and I was like, okay, yeah, these guys are pretty cool and the shows all made sense and I sort of went, okay, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to sign off on this. But then the the first show we did with them was in September. And um uh, you know, I I mean I wanted to watch them anyway and, and I tend to try and watch my supports every night anyway. And um and they got up and they blew my fucking mind. Amazing. I was just like, holy fuck and the thing like there's not really any way of me saying what I'm about to say without sounding arrogant, so I'm just gonna say it. But like it's not often that I feel Genuinely threatened by a support band. Oh wow! Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, and, and I and I say that as a really good thing. I think it's great to feel threatened by a support band. I think you should, absolutely should. Some, you know, there are some bands who won't take out bands that are going to like challenge them as support acts. Fuck you, you pussies! Take it. Take out the best yeah. fucking supports you can. And if you're not good enough to follow them, then get better at what you do. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I, absolutely. I, I, I love the idea of being blown off the stage by a support act. That's kind of how it fucking should be, almost. You know. But anyway, so they they played, and I and I stood inside the stage and was like damn i need to fucking like up my game here do you know what i mean like these like the first song max is in the crowd he's got the whole crowd doing a sing-along and i was sitting there thinking i can't we were somewhere obscure as well we were like in ohio or something and i was sit- sitting there thinking maybe these guys are just like big in ohio and i didn't know but no they just got the whole crowd singing the first awesome. song on the set and i was just like holy shit dude that's really really good so uh, and i just i've kind of fallen hard in love with them as people and as a band since then that's a really cool thing no i always felt like you've I mean, you, you're a
0: worldwide artist, and obviously you're from England. You started there, you got big there first, mm-hmm. which is a cool thing. Like I know you talk about it in your book a little bit, sure. How you you know you're doing like uh, Wembley Arena, you know, sold out, and then you're going and doing a solo tour in Canada where you're selling your own, yeah, merch. yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I love <laughs> I love that stuff. And the Arkells, it's like the same thing. You know, they're like yeah. massive in Canada, and then they go to other countries, and no one knows who the fuck they are. Yeah. I always mm. love that humbling thing. Another band. I had a few weeks ago was the Amity Affliction, right? Do you know this band? I can't say. I do. They have three number one records in a row in Australia, and you don't even know the band. Yeah, that's crazy. They're a
1: metal band. They're a metal yeah, core cool yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So I love that. <clears throat> I love that stuff. I think. I think but, it's really good. I, I. I mean, I. I often think of Paul McCartney in this situation, and by and I mean you know. He's Paul McCartney. There's nothing more that needs to be said about that. But like, I I sort of suspect that when he tours, it must be a little bit kind of tedious after a while, not just because he's been doing it since the 60s, (laughs) but also because everywhere he goes, it's the same. The reactions are the same, the show levels are the same, the crew levels are the same. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I find that when we do tours where we play 400 people a night in the US and then we go back and do 2,000, 3,000 people a night in the UK, I learn things from each different context Absolutely. that I can like then translate over to the other show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, if you haven't played a small sweaty club show in a while and then you go and play one, you kind of go, oh... F- fuck, okay, I hadn't thought about that for a while, I'd been getting slack on that, or whatever it might right. be, as, just in terms of you as a performer. Um, and it's just kind of more interesting, and I just think that, like, and I say, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, I have no idea, but, like, Paul, Paul McCartney, like, every show is just going to be, just, a, oh, I'm playing the Enormadome again.
0: Well,
2: <laughs> you,
1: know you know what, what I, mean? I, I read an interview with Paul Mark- McCartney one time,
0: and somebody sort of mentioned that, like, oh, what it, would, be, what it would, would it be like, you know, to be you? And he's like, it's awesome. Everywhere I go, everyone's happy. Everyone sees me and is just like, oh my God, it's Paul McCartney. And he's just like, hey, you know, and he's just like, yeah. you know, and I guess like that's if you can cool. handle it that way.
1: That's, that's a really positive way of looking at that, actually. I like that. Oh, that makes me think of something somebody told me once, which is and apparently this is true, the queen thinks that the world smells of fresh paint. Because everywhere she goes They've just repainted it Before she got there <laughs> And
2: like incredible. And the only
1: place that doesn't Is her house Is like her palace Or whatever the fuck And so yeah She's convinced that like Sort of common people Smell of fresh paint That is so funny Which, which I mean It, it sounds plausible <laughs> No no But, but I, I res- I've always respected That about you though That
0: you're you think about the whole world, you know, you try to tour everywhere, you try to do what's best for your career everywhere, Sure, but I mean, you but have it's... that. You have this drive that I don't think a lot of <laughs> people have, a lot of people don't give a fuck about where they're, like, I'm from England, I care about England, I want to be big in England, whatever. The other stuff, if, sure. if I'm not big there, well, fuck you, you don't understand what I'm doing.
1: I know what you mean. I mean, it, but it's, it, it's, it's self-interested from my end, just in the sense that, first of all, I like traveling, I like seeing the world, and I like a challenge, you know what I mean, and like, particularly the States... Uh, Canada too But I mean You know It's a challenge Like can we get The same thing going on And it's It helps Longevity in my career I mean I'm I'm in a really Interesting place In my career right now Because I've definitely Ceased to be new And interesting in the UK do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I don't get I don't get kind of like a cursory nomination at any award ceremonies anymore. Like I d- <laughs> songs get played on the radio a bit, but like not as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. We still we do big shows, but it's kind of the same people coming to the shows, which is fine, and I'm I love it, and that's cool. But like it's still I'm it's still sort of hungrier. Over here, do you know what I mean? Right. And like in a way that almost that's part of the reason why we tour over here as much just because like I'm sort of bored of enemy journalists sneering at me in the UK. Um, well, not yeah. least because I'm now reaching. This is oh, I mean, the whole UK press thing, we won't even get into that. <laughs> well, true. But. but this is OK. So this is not specific to the UK press, although it's getting that way. This is a thing. So I did my first tour in 1998, right? Yep. 1998 was 18 years ago. Right, yep, and that right. means two things, which I love. First of all, it means I've been touring for longer than I've not been touring now, which is a, kind of a nice thing for me. Um, but the second thing, and this is the great thing, is that like, and every year the the bar on this raises. Anybody aged eighteen who starts trying to fucking tell me anything about anything, I'm like, I've been fucking touring before since you were you, since before you were born, <laughs> you fucking child. Like, <laughs> piss off. Do you know what I mean? And like, I, it's a, we're only three years away from a vice journalist trying to tell me something about the road, and I'm going to be able to use that as a comeback. And it's going to be fucking. Great! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna like taste that moment on my tongue. I can't wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though I, I absolutely know what you, what you mean. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a certain sort of like. I think that, um, with the passage of time, like, you know, you, lo- there's a trade off. You lose the kind of new and interesting thing. Nobody can write an exciting right. new article about this new band they've just discovered. But on the other hand, like, you accrue a certain degree of respect, and like, you know, I sort of feel like. I mean, we've talked about quite a lot of old, long-in-the-tooth grates today already, but even we were talking <laughs> about Rush before we started this. Yes, we were. The thing about Rush, I mean, to a degree, who gives a fuck what you or I think about Rush? They did it for a really fucking long time, extremely successfully. and, and- We can't understand what they went through. We can't understand the climate.
0: We, right. we You and I might be under- able to understand pre-GPS touring, but we can't understand pre like fuck i don't even know yeah, what yeah. like, like do you know what i mean they didn't even have email you know what i, I, know. I
1: mean? <laughs> just you know i i did i did one like the first couple of tours i did was sort of before Mobile phones and the internet, just about. There was, certainly there's no GPS. And one of the things, a tip I got told before we went on tour, I was 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was so great. The tip was if you can't find the venue, drive to the shitty end of town and ask someone who's wearing absolutely. a leather jacket. That's, that's, l- that's absolutely. absolutely. Look for a dude in a leather jacket and ask. And you know what? It fucking works. It all works every time. Yeah. And there's some old codger, like in a rocket, in a leather jacket. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know the dog and bucket. It's over there. And uh, no. so, so yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I was talking to Nigel, my drummer who toured, <laughs> uh, he tour managed for Radiohead in the early 90s. And he was wow. saying, touring touring Europe before the Euro is just like every single day you have a different currency. What a pain in the ass! Yeah, he was like he was like I had a, like a bag with like forty pockets sure. on it, and each one had like a currency on it. And like it's a fucking nightmare. you get somebody gives you coins and change for the meal that you have on the one day that mm-hmm. you're in that country, and you're like oh fucking well even great even when we tour in like Sweden or whatever you know because
0: they still have kroners yeah. or or Denmark you know they aren't on the Euro. I always when my tour manager gives me. <clears throat> My my buyout, I go, okay, how many falafels can I buy with this? Like, right, that's yeah. all I need to know. Yeah, yeah I don't totally. know what the money is, just it's yeah, like yeah. they're strange large coins no, and no, worth well, like and it's then, worth like fifty dollars or something in <laughs> Denmark.
1: But you just come home and I've I've got a bowl on my on my oh. side at home that's just full of weird I shit. I know, it's weird ridiculous.
0: Currencies. But back to what you're saying right. um about your career. Yes. you're very self aware of that and I like that. I remember I emailed you, I think, on the last record, the tape deck heart record. Because you were getting a shitload of play here. Yeah. On the edge with recovery. Mm. Yes. And I guess that's sorta of cool when all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we're getting radio play for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And things a- are like picking up picking up, you know, in the mainstream. Um but I've never thought of you as a mainstream artist, despite in the UK you are. I mean, there's no way what? around <clears> it. <throat> but but, you know, because I found out about you I don't remember exactly how, but I actually people might not know this, I literally reached out to you and emailed you when I heard Love Iron Song because yeah, that record was so special to me. And I was compelled to just to say, I have to tell this guy he's doing something that, that I like. And I've never well, done that. I told you the, in the email, the last time I did I did that, I emailed 88 Fingers Louie <laughs> to tell them I really like their beyond, Behind Bars record. And it's a great record. It's, it's a great, great it record. It is a great record. The vocals are solo in the mix. And yeah. He can't really sing, Man, I guess that's why, I, but I,
1: have not I love listened, that record. I have not listened to that record in a long time, and I think I know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my afternoon.
0: Yeah. that re- You know, that record they put out later on, they, like, broke up and came back uh, back on the streets, that record's actually
1: awesome. Okay, you it know, you, I'm going to concede that you know more about 88 Fingers uh, than I do. <laughs> but,
0: but I'm just saying, you know, like, like, that's how I, you know, got in touch with you originally, and I've followed your career, obviously, and I've seen the growth, but, you know... I remember it being about Frank Turner, ex hardcore guy, million dead, everyone knows the story, and seeing, you know, FTHC. And now, like, I look online and I Google FTHC or Frank Turner FTHC, and it's people asking what the fuck that means. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and (laughs) so, so I just think my, my point is like that just goes to you becoming mainstream and the average person not knowing what, like, you know, I have a tattoo of, of the uh, X thing on my, you know. Yeah, yeah, Like, sure. everyone knows what that is in punk rock. the sure. X with the, you know, New York hardcore or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now you have to explain that to people. Now, how does that feel as a, <laughs> you know, mainstream artist, punk rock artist, like,
1: wherever yeah. you see yourself? Well, I mean, the, the first thing to say in all of this is that I don't – I'm not sure that I, I – well, I'm not sure it really matters Particularly where I see myself anyway You just threw but a sunglasses on the bed I think you're pissed No, 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 no <laughs> they, so were like just <laughs> bugging, they were just bugging my head um, <laughs> just uh, they, But uh, I wasn't wearing them Just <laughs> no, you, for the record wearing, People listening to this They were on my head I was and wearing his Oakley shades and the, um, But, uh, but uh, I don't know where they came from By the way They were just in my pocket this morning I had morning. a pair of those and They're not that colour But they're uh, It's a aleco. good colour This is great radio um, Anyway, so um, uh, But I mean, it's funny Like I think that the position I occupy in the UK Falls between many stools And it does doesn't really fit any pigeonholes because it's like, I mean, it, there was a moment in time where I, I was arguably a mainstream much in the UK. I'm not really sure that that's true anymore. It's sort of like just a really big cult, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like, I'm definitely not part of the punk scene, particularly in the UK and never really was. As a solo artist, kind of by choice, really, because I got pretty pissed off. The punk scene in the UK is extremely bitchy and backstabby. And like, I just mm-hmm. didn't want to be that guy who used to be in that band forever. So, that's one of the other things I was going to say. In terms of like expanding beyond just the confines of the punk scene, I'm very happy about that. Punk rock is my high school and I love it and it will never cease to be a core part of my identity. But I don't want to just spend my life playing to just one demographic subset. Do you know what I mean? I Absolutely. like the idea. Absolutely. And in fact, we played in Ithaca, New York a couple of nights okay. ago. And the promoter came to me After the show And he said That's the most diverse crowd We've ever had At any show we've ever done And I was hugely proud Of that fact Because fuck yeah I love the idea That there are sort of like older people Younger people Folk people Punk people Indie people Radio people You know Whatever They're Like that's That's cool as fuck You know I don't want to just Play the kind of Angry 18 to 25 year olds In skinny black jeans And an against me t-shirt And I, and that's me by the way But, but like <laughs> but, but I want to I want to communicate With people who aren't, who aren't me You know hey, what you I mean Shit talk skinny jeans and one of your songs i felt personally offended dude i've actually this is a confession <laughs> that i've not yet made publicly and i'm gonna make it now on this podcast the jeans that i've taken to wearing on stage are on the skinny side simply Ooh. because when i go wandering in the crowd and like it's just it makes my life easier it like i kept having a thing of like ripping jeans trying to get back on the stage and this kind of shit and so i mean they're not skinny jeans per se yes. but they are skinnier than i would wear in civilian life and every night <laughs> when we play that song i kind of die a little bit on the inside (laughs) i think uh, that's that is that is me selling out right there i love that so much um (laughs) but so okay but you don't feel a responsibility to educate your fans about punk rock um i wouldn't say a responsibility i mean it's a nice opportunity and like i like the idea of like you know we took against me out on tour actually a few years ago in the uk and it was great because most of my audience had no idea who they were and um Quite a lot of my audience were slightly terrified of them, I think, because um, they did that thing that Against Me did of playing, like, 14 songs in a row without breaking, yeah. and it was incredibly loud, and then they left the stage, and everyone in the audience sort of went, what the fuck? Um, but uh, <clears throat> they, um, uh, uh, sorry, where was I? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool, like, and, and um, this is a big bugbear of mine I have about the whole Gateway Band thing, Right. Right. I, I I take my hat off to the Gateway vans. For me, for our generation, I'm guessing you're the same as me. Green Day and Offspring, absolutely 100%. right. They were the two Green the, and 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 I'm so. I, I see less of it now. I guess in my demographic everyone's just got over it because they've got older but like people who sneer at the gateway bands it's like get the fuck over yourself like nobody anywhere woke up one morning and just bought a fucking bomb the music industry record no that has never happened ever i love bomb joyce the music manor wasn't the first band yeah, you heard yeah it's like it's like you <laughs> got there somehow that's right Do You know what i mean and like and you know how you got there is because you heard dookie you know and like fair enough it's not your favorite thing anymore and fair enough green day might be doing some stuff making records you don't like anymore or whatever the fuck but Take, give them the fucking respect they deserve for that. And the reason I think of that and mention that is that, like, every now and again, like, is, you know, somebody somewhere is, kind of refers to me as being like a gateway band, sometimes with a little bit of sort of condescension in it. And if all I ever amount to in life is a gateway band for people <laughs> to get into cooler underground bands, I am so fucking fine with that. Do you know what I mean? If all I ever did was let the world know who Larry and his flask are or who Skinny Lester and Will Valley are or whatever, then I'm fucking all about that. That's great.
0: Yeah, but you know, I think a lot of it comes down to, when you talk about the bands, the gateway bands or whatever, which ones stick around, which ones fade away, you know, in people's minds, I think it comes down to songwriting. Sure. And you write great songs. I mean, it's it's a big part of why I, you know, was so... uh, um, uh, attracted, I can't find the word.
2: <laughs> so it's attracted okay. to you, Frank. Okay. It's 2016.
0: It, it's <laughs> the, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's you know. Well, I guess I guess I just felt this this connection was because they're great songs, okay. and it's it's really that I think. And Green Day wrote great songs. Green Day wrote better songs
1: than The Offspring,
0: which is why Green Day is a bigger band yeah, than The Offspring, I in think, my
1: opinion. I think I think you're probably right with that. Um, I mean I've I've done shows with both And they've been yeah. And they've been Fantastically lovely people So I'm obviously biased in this But it's It's, sure. it's, it's, it's interesting as well The way it cascades down Because like I remember when I talked with Do you know Fake Problems Band from yeah, Florida Yeah, yeah So yeah. I talked yeah. with Fakie Peas And they're all about Five years younger than me uh-huh. And for them It's Blink-182 Right You know And like And I was a bit like Really? like and, But then I sort of Caught myself on that and was like, actually, yeah, fuck it. No, um, I am Blink One Eighty Two, I I guess I like them. Um, I love Dude Ranch. And yeah,
0: I like I like Dude Ranch. I don't know, they when they were doing they were doing something different and I kinda got it, but I think actually the record they put out before they broke up, the self title record, is probably my favorite. Um, I, I must admit I never really gave it. But I remember Sorry. I was so pissed when Bad Religion opened for Blink-182 and just <laughs> down here on the, on the water at the amphitheater. I was like, this is bullshit, man. You know, the punk, the punk in me yeah. being like, this is like blasphemy. Yeah, yeah. You sure. know,
1: and it's funny how, how that stuff... Um... It is, although, okay, that's an interesting thing, though, because like, so on the, when we, we've, got a, we've got our first uh, um, American Arena show in Boston next year, yeah. um, and the Bouncing Souls are playing before me. <laughs> like I saw the Bouncing Souls at the Garage in London in '98 and '99. Like I used to, and like I just, I just want to get it out there that I also think it's bullshit. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like they should definitely. Are be you going to say that on stage when Abs- you play? Absolutely. <laughs> the other thing will be nice. It will be clarified. You would not believe the number of people who think I'm, that my backing band is the Bouncing Souls. Because, oh God! Yeah. yeah, and like, and we didn't really think about that when we were picking a name for the Sleeping Souls. But yeah. like, it's like finally the clarification. Will will uh, will be clear. My goodness, that's funny. Well, the other thing too is like you know I I hit
0: you up, you know started started uh, I told you how much I liked your music, and a lot of other people seem to be doing the same things. I I'd like to say I was one of the first, but <laughs> you know I see like Fat Mike is talking about hanging out with his buddy Frank, yeah, and you know I don't know if you're friends with with uh, you know Bouncing Souls, um, but. How was that being this kind of new artist, this younger guy and having artists you look up to kind of say, hey, man, I really like your stuff. Like, what does that
1: feel like? It's fucking incredible. It's one of the best feelings in the world. The most recent one. And this actually like nuked my world. Um, the band that, got, got the, that I learned to play guitar to was Counting Crows. And Adam oh, wow. Dur- Adam Duritz wore one of my T shirts on stage the other day, Jeez. and like I've met him a couple of times. We've hung out, and he's a super lovely guy. But like he wore one of my fucking T shirts with my fucking name on it on stage at a show, and I was just like, "Cool, I retire." <laughs> you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, but I think the thing about it is, is like, um, it's also crazy when it's your name too. Yeah, because like, right. you know, I, and I, I always wanted to ask
0: you about that. Is like, you come from punk rock, you come from hardcore you know and and a lot of the solo guys like i have a solo project that i started but it's called it's not called shane told it's called river oaks and i chose a name almost specifically because it felt weird to use my own name sure what was the choice you you went you um, probably answer that question a
1: million times uh, but- yeah i think the thing for me was it was it was quite reductionist you know like when I, when i when i because the whole thing for me was like having grown up with a lot of like angry heavy music and then i got really into sort of like the sort of Crazy core thing, you know, like Dillinger, Converge, Botch, Caven, all that kind of stuff, like super complicated, woodley metal stuff, and um, and then like Jesus Lizard were like a huge deal for me. For I mean, they still are, but like, and in Million Dead, like we'd write a riff and then try and think of ways ma- ways of making w- it weirder. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and like yeah. complicating the issue uh-huh. on purpose, and and that's fine as far as it went, but the whole. Point about playing solo shows for me was I was trying to put myself out of my comfort zone because I think that's a really important thing to do as an artist at all times. But also, and, and, and within that, to be reductionist, it was like rather than kind of screaming obscure and frankly, I'm a, I can say this with the benefit of hindsight, deeply pretentious lyrics about Polish communism in the 1950s <laughs> over like a, a weird beat and a noisy, angular, odd guitar riff, <laughs> sure. it was like, I'm going to play G, C and D, I'm going to tell a story. And right. I'm going to do it under my name, and I'm going to be just me, and I'm going to use standard tuning on the guitar, and I'm just going to fucking see what happens. And I mean, obviously, you know, I've sort of departed from that to a degree over time in my solo career, and, and should have done. But that was, you know, that was kind of the point, was it was like, it was kind of like year zero, do you know right. what I mean? It was like, no fucking hell. Right.
0: I mean, you've grown, too. I mean, now, you know, you, we talk about the Sleeping
1: Souls. Uh, that's something you've involved more and more, mm-hmm. um, even with writing, right? Um, a little bit here and there. I mean, my, mainly arrangement stuff, actually. Yeah. So I tend to kind of write a skeleton of a song, like a, a, verse, a, 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 a whole song, but, like, just kind of guitar chords and vocal melody. When did that sort of start for you that you were like, okay you know
0: i've done all these shows by myself and then i've added some <clears throat> other instru- instrumentation when did it kind of become okay i want to be it. i don't want to just be frank turner i need to be an,
1: the and somethings yeah. and like and like why why was that important to you well it struck it struck me that there there are sort of two models of the, of the backing band there's the sort of Ryan Adams thing, although he's actually changed this, but you know, for right, the time, Cardinals just, and yeah, he's, but sort of before the Cardinals, it was just Ryan Adams and some other dudes. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? And, and if you were a ticket buyer, you wouldn't really know who they were and they wouldn't necessarily play on the records and that's fine. And that's what, there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. But the other model is the E street band, you know, where of, of course. course you know who the people in the band are and it's the yeah. same people every time. And I always thought that was, that was a better model to my mind and a kind of more musically more interesting model. And then we just kind of once Matt um, joined the band cause he was the last guy to join in 2008 Uh, once Matt was in the band, it just sort of started coming together. Like, and we just, there's a certain, and I'm sure you know, there's a tightness that you get with playing people over time that cannot be shortcutted. Yeah. You know, so that happened. And then, um, I mean, our real, the real baptism of fire was we did a tour. I'd done quite a lot of American touring just solo. Yeah. Because financially, that's sort of how it worked out. But we did this tour in, um the start of two thousand ten opening for Fog and Molly over here. And we were in an Econa line, we had one crew member, I was doing merch. We were driving it through super long drives. We had fucking no money. Like losing money like hand over fist. And like and uh that tour was like the baptism of fire once we got through that it was like we can handle anything from this point <laughs> do you know what I mean and like there were full-on bust-ups there were people kicking hotel room doors in um you know quitting the band rejoining the band and just like Damn. it was it was extremely fucking hard and I mean and, and, I, and I think that it would have been hard for any band in any situation but it was also our first American visit and um yeah we came out the other end of it kind of slightly dazed and battered but it was a bit like after that yeah fuck man you know We can take whatever the world is going to throw. It's also, you know, probably
0: hard being just you for so long. You make every decision. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's probably times when it's like, okay, well, played a great soul that show. Gonna go back to my hotel room by myself now. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? Like, the, like is there is there a part of the element of just sort of having someone to share it with too? Yeah,
1: I mean that's the thing. Is like the whole point about being in a band is that you're a gang. You're a, you're a, you're, right. a, you're a pirate ship. Right. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and you sail into town and and you know ravage and pillage and then sail out again. And 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 you know you've got buddies. I mean there was definitely a point where I, I had store t- tour stories that I would could only really tell myself you know what i mean but i've I've, I've been comfortable i'm comfortable in my own company i'd say that um and it's funny like the relationship i have with the sleeping souls is is a finely balanced one over a long period of time Mm -hmm. because we're not a regular band we haven't morphed into a regular band it's still my show you know and i still call the shots but they're also not just hired hands you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they are an integral part of it and it's a it's it's an arcane and delicate thing that would take a long time to explain. No, I, you know I, what I, mean? I
0: get it. But that's interesting because for me, I've only ever been in bands where obviously there's a couple guys in charge. You know sure. what I mean? Every band is like that. There's, I think, there's no band where
1: it's uh, – there's very few bands that are true well, democracy. Yeah, well, interesting that you say that because actually Million Dead kind of was attempted to be that. And yeah. it, I think – that it was a blessing and a curse. I think it made us a much more interesting band musically than we would otherwise have been because everybody challenged everybody on everything all the fucking time. It's also the reason that we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we all wanted to fucking murder each right. other um, after not very long period of time being a band. But it was it was fucking... It was. A, I'm glad I did it at that point in my life. It was fucking great being in a room, coming in with a riff that you think is the best thing you've ever done in your fucking life. And the drummer goes switch the last two notes around. And you're like, you're a fucking drummer. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> but then you do it anyway after, because we were so committed to this idea of democracy. Yeah. You do it anyway, and then you kind of go, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> fuck you. Um, but yeah, you know, but it, like I say, it killed us as well. <laughs> so I know what you mean. I think most bands have, have a, a no, boss. totally. Uh, I want to ask you about, I was actually ran into a couple guys from
0: As It Is. They're a UK band, UK, pop punk band. And a guy told me I was going to talk to you, and he's like, oh, my God, I love Frank. And he was at your thousandth show, I guess. Yes. You played in a car park? I did, yes. And he said, it was just you, right? Yeah. And he said it was the coolest thing that you play an acoustic, and they broke
1: the barricade. Yeah, they did. (laughs) That's very cool. And,
0: you you know, you just think of a guy with an acoustic guitar, and, and like, that is some...
2: That's yeah. something. Man.
1: I mean, I have to say, it was partly because the show was pretty shambolically organised, and it wasn't like a real barricade <laughs> particularly. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's funny. Like you do get like I did a did a solo show in London as a benefit for the Music Venue Trust, who are trying to protect small venues in the UK. Um, in the summer sometime. I can't remember. Life yeah. is slipping away. Um, but, uh, but, and it's like, there were people like crowd surfing during like the finger picking songs. And, it, and I am <laughs> a little bit like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I know. Um, but, uh, but I mean, it's, it's nice to provoke a reaction, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. That's always, that's always funny. Like, I mean, I feel like I can tell this story now because those days are in my past. I'm very pleased to say I used to, I used to get very fucked up um, in, in my younger days. And, uh, and my payment for that show was chemical, shall we say. Oh, okay. Yeah, like it was a benefit show. Yes. And my payment for the show came in a little packet. Um, <laughs> and it was in the dressing room. But the thing that was so fucked, right? In fact, hold on, this whole story is worth telling. So I had the, the most idiotic bit of tour routing. Um, I had like a promo trip to Germany. And this was all right before England Keep My Bones came out as well. Okay, yeah. I had a primer trip to Germany for like four days. Then I flew to Australia for a week. Then I flew back from Australia to the UK via Germany, because that's how the flights worked Uh out, which was a fucking nightmare got back to the UK I had one day off then I did my thousandth show then my mother got remarried the following day oh my and God. I, was, I was not in the best of head spaces <laughs> because of the night before Trying to, I was giving my mum away the, and the <laughs> other thing is I just got my first finger tattoos and my mum hates tattoos and it really wasn't the day to have that oh, discussion with my yes, mum yes. so I spent the whole day with my thumb over my little finger because <laughs> I didn't want her to see it but anyway but it was, it was fantastic and my mum got remarried and it was a wonderful thing And then and then the following day I flew to Toronto um, and by time oh I got to Toronto, God. I w- th- that is the most jet lagged I've ever been. I just had no idea what year it was. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I remember, and uh, I think I was somewhere around here and I was just kind of walking up and down the street at like 4am just being like, what, <laughs> what's, what's happening right now? I know. It's- so, and then I did my thousands and first show in Toronto and that's the one I got the tattoo for because I thought it would be cool to kind of commemorate going forward rather than backwards. What does it say? Oh, it's just one, at- one thousand and one. Oh. I just got that one done. Stick and poke in a hotel room. Sick, no, yeah, yeah. That's, but it was, great. you know, not thousands, thousands at first, man. Nope. I'll shit. never forget
0: the time I was. We we got to got to Australia, and I got off the plane. And I was like, <clears throat> like couldn't get in, check in the hotel, you know, yet because it was too early in the morning. And I went to try to order a beer, and the woman <laughs> goes, "Excuse me." Yeah, uh, uh, whatever, the IPA. It's 7.45 in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I mean, like You know, you don't know. No, yeah, 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 sure, you don't
1: sure. Know t- like, it's funny how that, how that, shit, um, yeah, that yeah. shit happens, well, man, so the, when you the, get so jet lagged. The first time I ever went to Australia... I flew from L.A. with Chuck Reagan and Ben Nichols and Tim Barry. Yeah. Uh, ben from Lucero. And uh, we got to the hotel. Similar deal. We got to, like, I think we had started in Perth. And we got to Perth and, like, checked into this hotel. And it was, like, 10 a.m. And Ben – do you know Ben Nichols? Do you know him, like, I, personally? No, I don't know him personally, okay, he's, no. he's uh, He is one of my favorite people in the world. And he was just like, all right i want a whiskey and (laughs) he straightened the bar and i was like i was like dude i get it i'm jet lag too but don't have a whiskey at 10 a.m on your like acclimatization day that's idiotic you're just gonna lose you're gonna lose your mind but he successfully just drank for like 12 straight hours and went to bed so that's pretty much how i roll when i get to australia whatever just it uh, isn't isn't it like the greatest australia it's the greatest i was just there uh, a couple months ago oh i'm so jealous i haven't been in like a year yeah. Fucking love you Australia gotta, Do you do well in Australia? Yeah, we do pretty good It's sort of been picking up over time Like last time we were over We were doing like 1,500 people a show kind of vibe Beautiful, so. beautiful. That was lovely So we talked about 1,000th show 1,000th and one show
0: You got number 2,000 coming up, don't you? Yes Do you know when it is?
1: Yes, I do um, And I'm now in a kind of weird... Position of not being able to do any extra shows because the count is set. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And uh, and it's like an impromptu <coughs> show on the steps well, of the hotel. it will fuck is, up the yeah. Count. But I mean, the thing is, it's in some ways it's kind of liberating because I can just say no to all the, to things I get offered. But it's like when we were in in August, we were in Minneapolis with Fog and Molly, and uh, there was a rain. It was an outdoor show, and there was a t- rainstorm, and we played, but Fog and Molly got rained off, and uh, some friends of mine were on the Triple Rock in, in Minneapolis, and yeah. they were like, "Dude, just grab a guitar and come over and play a set. We've got a bunch of." Wet- People yeah. and I, love I was like, rock. I can't do that because I'm on account for show two no, thousand. then you just make it nineteen sixty five point five. Nah, you
0: see, that's cheating, <laughs> man. That's cheating. totally cheating. That's cheating. But it's so, totally so
1: um, there's a venue in the UK called Nottingham Rock City. I, don't no, know, I if you're know it. Yeah, I know yeah. very well. I adore that place. I've been playing there since two thousand and two, I guess, with Million Dead. Um, and I like that old guy <sighs> that cooks all the food in the basement. This is a story I was going to tell, <laughs> right? The, okay. This is a I'll, this is going somewhere relevant. Um, okay. one, one of the what we we're talking about earlier about surviving in this industry and going on for a long time, that kind of thing. One of the things that I've learned and one of the things I'm proudest of is bands come and go. Do you know what I mean? The people who are in this for the long haul of the crew. Do you know what I mean? Like um, and and like venue stuff, like all that kind of stuff. And like I have yeah. I have a, a there's so many people who are in bands for a couple of years and tour for a couple of years in their early twenties and then they go off and do something else in their life. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's totally fine. But it's just like. Um, I mean, for example, my production manager, Dougie, like, before he came full-time with us, he was the guy who would do a band for two years who had one album that was big in the enemy, who would then disappear. Yeah. And he did did that over and over and over again with some band who were briefly popular. And, um... Anyway, so, um... We... Uh, so, with Rock City, they had the chef in the basement, right? Yes. as you know, it's, the, it's like the Hells Angels or that crew. Uh, I actually <clears> know that. No. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the vibe with the people who run it. Okay. Um, and and uh, they, um... In the basement, they, they, they had this chef. And the deal is, if you play the big room there, then they cook food for you. But if you play the, like, 200 crap room, it doesn't work out financially okay. for that to be a thing. And I was touring, summer 2014, I was touring with Mongol Horde, my sort of noise rock side yes, project Yes, yes. And we were playing the small room. And we, therefore, I was not expecting catering. And I got in there, and the chef was setting up. And I was like, the fuck, dude? Like, I was, I think I was like, who's playing upstairs? Right, and he right. And he looked at me, and he said, fuck you. And he said, you're one of ours. He said, "You really think we're not going to fucking cook for you, of all fucking people? <laughs> Shut up and eat my fucking food!" And like, <laughs> and it, which was which is his way of being affectionate. But I mean, and I mean, this I'm sort of slightly blowing smoke up my own ass. Forgive me for that. But like, that, just that feeling that the, the life was in this industry accept me as kind of on their terms is a really, really important thing to me and it's the thing I'm proudest of.
0: It brings a little tear to my eye, you know what I mean? Because like, it's a family out there. It is. You know? And, like, and, just
1: and, and Treating people with respect at venues and, and making a good reputation for yourself is fucking important. Oh my god, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, who shall remain nameless, um, who's in a band, I was like, you do understand that your crew are your ambassadors. If your crew walk into a venue and they're dicks right. to the people in the venue, nobody goes away going, that guy's Crew are dickheads. They go away saying that guy's a dickhead,
2: exactly. and it's on
1: you. Like you need to f- pay mind to that shit. Uh, and that's aside from the fact that manners matter anyway. Do you know what I mean? And you should be decent to people because well, you just fucking of course, shit. right? Um, but I mean, so one of the other ones, uh, Reading Festival, they have the same crew every year, and I've just done my tenth year at Reading. I read that, yeah. <clears throat> and um, uh, I don't. I mean, the thing is, I am. The last person who'd ever do that thing of not having a pass and having like a photo put up around the place because fuck bands who do that. But like, but I de- basically don't need a pass at Reading. I think it's cool. But so, so all the security staff there know who I am now. Yeah. And I do not need my backstage pass anymore. Oh, I see. But the thing is, I <laughs> always carry it and always go, here's my pass. And they're like, for fuck's sake. Like, it's fine. Like, we know who you are. And I'm like, no, I know. But I just don't want to be that fucking guy. Who was it who did the takedown of Bringing the Horizon on that? It was like, Bad Religion. Yeah, uh, Bad Religion. Uh, Brian, Brian Baker? Yeah, Brian Baker. That made my year. It made me so happy, that whole exchange. <laughs> it was just because Brian's a funny motherfucker and like his. His, uh, I've heard people I won't name names But I've heard people say My face is my pass I've heard yeah, people say that just, to me And I'm like Come on dude the, the, thing, the thing about it is It just lacks consideration You know what The person working at the venue Didn't buy a ticket They don't know who you are And they don't give a fuck Do you know what I mean Maybe all of the fans do That's legit But the, but the guy who's working the door Who's done six shows this week already Doesn't give a fuck about who you are And he doesn't have to give a fuck About who you are Because he's doing his fucking job And his job is to check fucking passes And is it really the end of the fucking world To put a fucking pass on Oh anyway. I feel the same way. So wait, where's your <laughs> two
0: thousand show again?
1: So Rock City. Yes. <laughs> it's oh at Rock God. City, okay. It's at Rock City, which is gonna be great and like that was the thing. So when we were choosing West to show two thousand, like essentially the reasoning went initially I was thinking about doing it in London and then I've got a big announcement coming about London for next year, which I can't announce just yet. Okay. Actually when's this gonna go out? Uh probably probably in the next couple of weeks. Okay, I'll hold off. There's a big London announcement coming in. Okay. We were like, okay, let's not do it in London for that reason. And then it was like, um, I mean, I, I grew up in Winchester. I don't live there anymore. And there isn't really anywhere in Winchester that's bigger than like 600 people. And that seemed like... It would piss a lot of people off if I did it that way. Right. So then it was like, okay, what's my favorite venue outside of London? And it's Rock City. There you go. And there that's it is. awesome. In fact, well, Rock City is my favorite venue full stop in the world. But it's it's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. Aside from Rock City, I don't really have any ties to Nottingham as a city. But it's that's a great awesome. place. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny. We just did our Silverstein. We just did our two thousandth show. Oh fucking! Oh and shit! You motherfucker! We did. beat you! Damn it! We're ahead! But I <laughs> congratulations! Don't know. I, I, I
0: feel like you've been catching up. So <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we did. We did our two thousandth, and we didn't well we we just kind of do it we aren't gonna plan it so our 2000 show was in kyoto japan (laughs) opening for a japanese band in like a 350 cap room like it was super Um, yeah like and and i you know i got up there no one gave a fuck who we were just we were just you know opening opening act everybody's japanese i've never been to japan it's really bugging me hold on let's get to that that's wild but but I think at one point I stopped and I said, uh, by the way, <laughs> Japanese people that can't understand me, yeah, yeah, yeah. today is our 2000 show, so um, go
1: us. Yeah, totally.
0: Kind of looked at the guys on stage and went, all right, I guess we'll play another song
1: now. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't a big celebration. Sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, when, so that funny? When, when's that since? When, when, does, when was show one? Uh, show one would have been in 2000. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah. You've got you you've got a, a run up on me there. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. We right. got a run. That on. makes me feel better. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. You've <laughs> you've packed it in, man. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's a funny, but it's, okay. The thing about that, that I, something I've realised as I get older, there was definitely a moment when I was in a bravado competition with myself about my tour schedule, um, right? And and it was a major moment in my life where I just kind of went, and it was when my back went out because I slept mm-hmm. too discs in my back mm-hmm. and it was kind of horrendous. And it was just a bit kind of like, I want to do this for the rest of my life if it's at all possible. And that's not down to me entirely, but it is to a degree. And, like, um, you know, it's just like, what is the point in me, like, murdering myself in my early 30s uh, if I then, you know... And it's just like, nobody else is, in, is is competing with you on this. No one else gives a fuck. No. Do you know what I mean? And, like, and suddenly it was just like, maybe I could have a few more days off and maybe have a week off between tours and, you know... Do that kind of shit, and I mean, I have a, I have a, a, a now as of a year, I have a long-term girlfriend who reminds me to take holidays right. and, and that kind of shit, and it's yeah. great. It's great. It makes me feel like a grown-up. It's just, yeah. I guess you just get used to doing it a certain way, pushing yeah.
0: yourself, pushing yourself, pushing yourself until you feel like if you're not pushing yourself, yeah. you're not working
1: hard enough or something, you know. And yeah, I'm your own
0: worst critic. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like I, I have huge respect for Henry Rollins. I finally met him a couple of days ago, Crazy. and that was a huge deal for me. Um, but I mean, and I say this. With as much deference as I can muster, but like there is a degree to which like Rollins is more of a sort of pastiche of a human than a person at this point, do you know what I mean? Because he's just, he is this dude who, he has this sort of thing to live up to, do you know what I mean? And, and like I saw the show, he walks on stage, this is my 100th show in uh, 19 different countries on this tour and blah, blah, blah kind of thing. And it, part of me wanted to be just like, dude, have a beer. Right. Do you know what I mean? And that's not Rollins. He's an intense man. He is an intense man, and and that's who he is, and all the rest of it. But like, yeah. similarly, like there's somebody famous who I know who's going to remain nameless because it's not right for me to name names in this situation but like a friend of mine commented about him a a mutual friend commented about him he speaks like he's giving an interview all the time because he's just been doing it for too long and and it was like yeah you kind of ask him how you doing and he kind of goes well I'm glad you asked me that and it's just kind of like that's not how human beings interact that's
0: kind of common in our world though yeah I know what you mean you know when you meet a guy in another band and you're talking to him and you're like dude I'm not interviewing you man yeah we're just like we're just dudes yeah which is part of why I like what this podcast is about sure just just chatting and not worrying about you know the fucking structure
1: of an interview or whatever yeah. but that's you know so the that's tour's a going quite story. well and yes uh, i'm glad no okay. <laughs> uh yes
0: tour trade no,
1: I, I, well. I once considered getting a t-shirt printed with the tour is going quite well thank you written on it and just sitting down for interviews um, and like could, unzipping could you state my your
0: name uh, and what you do in the band for the record please yeah. well i mean that's my okay. favorite what's
1: what's your most asked interview question Probably how's the tour going Yeah
0: Probably But that's like not even a question That's just like a You sit down Sure and it's, sure it's sure, like, sure It's kind of just like Oh how, you know
1: right. but How's but life so, but so, so, so my most asked question is like uh, What was it like going from being in a punk band To being a solo act Right, and mm-hmm. and it's like it's it's a fair question. Yes, but I have also discussed it in every single yes. interview I've done in the last eleven years. And like you'd think you could just look up the answers to that question now. Right, you know there's ways I
0: mean? of navigating. There's a ways of there's a way of of getting a specific response. <clears throat> sure. To which I guess maybe people just aren't that savvy with. Sure. You know, and it ends up just being super generic. But uh, I know we're getting to be about that time I'm trying to think if there's anything else I have so many other things I wanted to ask you I wanted to ask you about I've... Trump I wanted to ask you about <laughs> Brexit yeah uh, I know you're a political guy and it's that time of year um, well as we record this time we, we
1: are we are three days away from the apocalypse potentially potentially yes potentially I mean I you know I'm a kind of um, to many people's chagrin I'm something of a kind of like uh, wacky libertarian in my politics I mean that's what people call me I, I, I prefer to think of myself as just a liberal Who, who knows what that word actually means um, Do you know what I mean yeah. um, uh, yeah. I consider myself an extremist liberal um, <laughs> uh, But like uh, uh, So with all that I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the Clintons And the Clinton project per se But like it it is baffling to me that anybody could vote for Donald Trump. And, and I say that with quite a well-versed understanding of people's problem with the Clintons. Do you know what I mean? I'm not like some ingenue who doesn't understand why people hate the Clintons. I do understand. I've, I've been following American politics all my adult life, and I get it. But the man is just... I, that, wh- I don't know what to say. He's yeah. just a piece of shit. He is a gigantic piece of shit. And he doesn't stand for anything. He's, it's... it's I, it, for like, almost the first time in my adult life, I am fucking baffled like yeah i mean the fact that he even got nominated is yeah i just Uh, i mean
0: i mean we're not even we're
1: not americans no people will will say well we don't have a fucking right to say
2: but we do we do well well, we do
1: we have a right to comment because it's the world superpower but like i'm a huge fan of america and the american project i think that america and this is almost the thing that saddens me most about donald trump is i think that two up till today and indeed, for another two days, regardless of everything that's happened, and even just in my sort of politically aware lifetime, the Iraq War or whatever, um, America is still the shining city on the hill. It still is in terms of setting a standard by which uh, of, of a political system by which the rest of the yeah. world can aspire to. And actually, one of my pet peeves in life, and I feel this, and I felt this a little bit about Rollins the other day, and about a lot of stand-up comedians, is Americans who don't realize how fortunate they are to be Americans. They sit there going, yeah, everything's totally fucked. And I just want to grab them and be like, try living in fucking Hungary, you dickhead. Or Russia, or Venezuela. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yes, there are problems. Hungary's pretty sick, (laughs) come on. Hungary's pretty sick, but I mean... fun city. Fun city, (laughs) totally fucked politically right now. They've basically elected a fascist government. Um, Like, it's bad news. But but, but this is the point. I mean, of course there are problems with the American political system. But the simple fact that, that the entire world is hinging on the outcome of a popular vote right now is a good thing. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. And we should take a moment to just appreciate that. And I just can't fucking stand Americans just sort of wandering around kind of going, yeah, man, we live in a police state. No, you fucking don't. You want to know what a police state looks like? <laughs> I can fucking show you. They exist. You don't live in a fucking police state. You live in an imperfect world. Okay. And, that, so, and within that, yes, complain, make things better, fight injustice, you know, campaign to yes. make the world a better place. But at least ha- take a fucking moment to just look around and realize that of all of the places in the world you could live, America's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, anyway, to quote Propagani for a minute there, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but having said all that, I mean, like, so, I mean, I, that's the thing about Trump is to me he represents the possibility of the the sort of end of uh, America's sort of like beacon status. Do you know what I mean? And and in a way, almost, I'm worried that he's already done that simply by becoming coming within one person. Just even of the getting there. Yeah, yeah, getting where he is now. And that really saddens me because I think that on balance, America is a force for good in the world. Um, and I say that as an, as an outspoken opponent of the Iraq, the Iraq war. Um, but I, I, the fact remains, I think, that on balance in the second half of the 20th century, America did more good than harm in the world. And I, I worry for a world that doesn't have that kind of moral example leading it. Totally agree with you, man. You know, uh, so there we go. That's what I think about Donald Trump. There you go. Fuck Thank that you very tiny much. Tiny-handed little shithead. <laughs> well wow. uh, P.J. O'Rourke, who's a, who's a writer, I don't necessarily always agree with, but who I always read, um, uh, said a wonderful thing. He said Hillary Clinton can be anything up to and including the second worst thing that could happen to America, and I will still vote for her. And I think that is right. a fucking salutary statement. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and him and or yes her, him, him, her, him, him. Just making he's sure he's great. He's he's. There's he's, nothing worse
0: than having mm. a name. And assuming it's a man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, well, you've ever, if that's ever happened to you, your tour manager. My tour manager, yes. I was told, I got an email, though, and it said, it specifically said her in there. Because yeah. I would have assumed Trey. Yeah, well, it's I it, that's the
1: other thing. It's actually Tree. Tree. Everybody in this country says Trey. T-R-E. I mean, she, was, yeah, I mean, yeah. she's kind of given up on that one now. <laughs> like, everyone just right. calls her Trey over Right, here. but that's the kind of thing. <clears throat> like, yep. if you're a fucking
0: asshole, piece of shit, but... I have been guilty of it.
1: but it, well, Me too. But what I love about... So Tree is my tour manager. She is the best... Tour manager in the world, and it's not just me saying that she actually won Tour Manager of the Year award a couple of years I didn't ago. know there was an uh, award there, for that. There's a live music award in the UK, and she won Tour Manager of the Year, but anyway, she um she actually uses that to her advantage in a way that I really enjoy. Oh. Because if you've got one of those, like, sort of slightly old school, slightly dickhead venue owners or whatever, or venue managers, who then kind of goes, Oh my god, Tree, you're a woman, and sort of starts like huffing and puffing a little bit, and she she kind of like uses it to like plant a flag in their territory and is like, Yeah, dickhead, ah. and this is how today's gonna be, <laughs> and, uh, and it's it's kind of a neat little tree. Trick. Oh, man, that's yeah. funny. Well, dude, hey, uh, I won't take up any more of your time. You got a show it's, tonight. It's been a wonderful time. It's we should do this again. Up.
0: There's so much more to talk about. Well, we'll, exactly. do, we'll do a
1: part two whenever you're ready. Let oh, me know. Okay. Well, um, in February, we are playing in Hamilton Fuck with the yeah. Arkells. I'm home. We're doing calm, a record. So Come down. Hamilton's not too far. We, we, again, great radio. We're going to shake on this on air. Absolutely. Let's do it <laughs> on air. Thank awesome. you, Frank. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: So there it is with Frank. Always great to see him. What a guy. Always speaks his mind. I really have so much respect for him. It was really cool for him to take the time out of his busy schedule and sit down with me. Thank you, Frank. And there was a lot we didn't get to, but we did shake hands for real. He will be on. We will do a part two and we'll get to all the other stuff we didn't get to in this episode. Next week, we will be back on Monday. As always, I do not take weeks off. Well, once in a while, but I will not be taking the week off next week. So make sure you're subscribed. However you listen to your podcast, there should be a little subscribe button. If you're listening on your computer or on your phone and you're using like a web browser. No, 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 no. Get a proper podcast app. It will save you so much hassle. In fact, the iPhone one is already built in. Some people don't know they have it, but I don't even think you can delete it. So it's there. So please go on, search for Lead Singer Syndrome, subscribe. And if you like the show, also tell a friend. Try to spread the word. Let's keep this thing growing and let's make this thing even bigger and even better. As always, I'm going to leave you with a tune from the guest. I'm going to play you the first Frank Turner song I ever heard. The first song from Love Iron Song, it's called I Knew Proof Rock Before He Was Famous. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. We'll see you next week. Peace and love.
2: Let's begin in the beginning. We're lovers and we're losers. We're heroes and we're pioneers. We're beggars and we're choosers. We're skirting around the edges of the ideal demographic. We're almost on the guest list, but we're always stuck in traffic. We've watched our close associates up and play their part chatting up the it girls and they're tearing up the charts while we were paying with coppers to get our rounds in at the bar with a c-team with the almost famous old friends of the stars he's the only one among us who is ever gonna make it We planned a revolution from a cheap Southampton bistro I don't remember details but there were English boys with banjos Jay is our St George and he's standing on a wooden chair And he sings songs and he slays dragons and he's losing all his hair and Adam is the resurrected spirit of Grand Parsons, in plaid instead of rhinestone, and living in South London. And no one's really clear about Tommy's job description, but. It's